Our world is broken, people are pretty messed up, and let's be honest, sometimes it feels like God is an abusive boyfriend who says I love you, but doesn't appear to be so loving. This podcast exists to remind you who you and your creator truly are, even amidst crisis, and offers stories of hope from people who have faced the unthinkable, yet continue to choose Jesus. Not because it's easy, but because they know that although life can feel excruciatingly complicated, there's holy simplicity found in Jesus. Hey friends, welcome to the Diagnosis Series. Recently, the Lord laid it on my heart to share a few episodes about my diagnosis. It is something that I am asked about more frequently probably than anything else, and so I want to record this for you all, hopefully to be a resource and to encourage you. I hope that through our story, you hear more than anything of God's faithfulness and love and hope that he offered to us, even in these very, very um, dark days that I'm going to be sharing about. I am going to be sharing in a holistic way, (laughs) pun intended. Um, What I mean by that is I'm going to be sharing where I was at emotionally, physically, and spiritually during these days. So I'm going to do my best If you have specific questions that you would like me to answer, this is just the first episode. And so feel free to send me an email, allie at alliechristian.com, or shoot me a message on Instagram and let me know your question. And I will try to cover it because I I do want this to be really, really helpful more than anything. Um, Second announcement before we dive in today is I will be following the school calendar for this um, podcast. And so I am going to be, we are going to be wrapping up season two at the end of May, because that is when my oldest daughter will be done with kindergarten. I cannot believe I'm saying that, but she will be graduating kindergarten at the end of May. And through this cancer journey, one of the greatest lessons that I have learned is to really be present for my kids, to be emotionally available for them and physically available. And so this podcast does take a lot of time away from my family. I absolutely love doing it, um, but it is uh, it is time consuming. And so for the summer, I will be off and we will be taking a break. And I pray that for you moms, um, maybe you would do the same, that you would just be present and available for, that we would be present and available for our kids. I'm preaching to the choir here, I know. Um, But so we will be wrapping up season two at the end of May, and we will be starting season three around August, September. So that being said, a couple of things. Some of you are so sweet. And um, occasionally I get asked how you can support this podcast. If the Lord has laid it on your heart to support this ministry, um, we love Venmo. Venmo is super easy and you can share a donation, a monetary gift through Venmo. Um, Or if you want to send a check, you are welcome to send me an email and I can send you our PO box where you can send that check. Thank you so much to those of you, by the way, who are interested in supporting our ministry. Um, This is something, like I said, that I truly enjoy. And so please, if you are not able to give, please do not feel any pressure whatsoever. But it is always a big blessing to be able to um, give back to my family in in a way for, for the time that it takes away from them. 
Um, the last thing that I want to mention before we dive in is if you are interested in being interviewed or sharing your story on the Weather Channel, you may apply even when we are on break. Actually, on break would be the best time because while we are on break, I will be on break and being present with my kids. But as time allows, I will be planning for season three and for the next year. And so if you are interested in applying to share your story or if you have someone in mind who you really want them to share their story or you think that their story should be shared with the whole world, um, send them an email, send them a text, give them a call, let them know to apply. We can't promise that we can have everybody on, but I truly love reading the stories that are submitted and um, there is a chance that you, you could share your story and God's faithfulness on the Weather Channel. Okay, that being said, we are going to dive into this diagnosis series. Hey friends, today I'm going to be sharing with you about my diagnosis and what life looked like at the beginning of my cancer diagnosis. I'm going to be sharing the story for two reasons. One, some of you are new around here and you may not have much context for our story or how this podcast even got started, um, where our deep, deep suffering really began. And so I want to share for those of you who are new, but actually more importantly to me, I want to share because many of you have asked me about my symptoms, um, and what life looked like when I was first diagnosed. And so this is something that has been a long time coming. I haven't really had the capacity to share about the beginning of my diagnosis up until about now, because it was really traumatic. Obviously a stage four cancer diagnosis is a very traumatic thing, but I do feel that I've healed a lot and I have become really, really excited about the opportunity to be able to educate and make people aware about symptoms um, and just young adult cancer. So I'm going to share about my symptoms to make sure that you are not in the same boat that I am, that if there is something going on with you that you catch it early um, or that maybe you could possibly help someone else who is having some weird symptoms or just received the worst news of their life. This is going to be a mini series. So I will share about the beginning of my cancer diagnosis in a couple of podcast episodes from here up until probably the next two or three episodes. So First of all, I want to start with my symptoms, because like I said, this is the question that I get more, probably more than any other question, possibly. Um, it's a, it's a close second with the type of treatment that I did and how I changed my diet, but the symptoms that I was having, let me preface this with, I really didn't like cancer was so far off of my radar. It was, it wasn't even on my radar. I never in a million years thought nobody thinks that they're going to have cancer. So never in a million years did I think that I had cancer. So I started having multiple symptoms, but I blame them in my situation for our circumstances on postpartum issues. I did not think that it was cancer. And so when you are having symptoms, it is very easy to 
just reason them away. And I've had this conversation with multiple other cancer patients who we were sharing our symptoms and they, they said the same thing. It's so easy to reason away your symptoms and any concern. And I think it's kind of like a self-preservation thing that God created us with. And that's what I did. So have grace with me as I share my symptoms. You're probably going to be like, Ali, duh, hello. Like this is a major issue, but to me, never in a million years did I think it would be cancer. The first symptom that I was having was I was having extreme fatigue. And this was the worst of all of the symptoms because it was so frustrating for me, especially as a mom, a working mom who was trying to get a business up and running, um, which is a whole other story and a whole other um, contributor to my diagnosis. I did record an episode um, with Blake Guichet, if you want to listen to it, but I don't have time in this episode to go into how I believe that the grind and hustle culture contributed to me getting cancer. That's like I said, another episode, go and check that one out. Um, It's called the lies of hustle culture, but I was frustrated because I was trying to get a business up and running and I then would make sure that I would get like eight to 10 hours of sleep every night and I would still wake up exhausted. And so when I finally would get myself out of bed after those eight to 10, sometimes 12 hour nights, I would feel exhausted. And then about two hours later, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I would have to take another nap. And I, it got to the point where I had to not only get those long hours of sleep at night, but I would have to take multiple naps a day. And that's not normal. So if you are having symptoms of fatigue, maybe you've just had a baby and and they are normal. Um, But if you're having that kind of fatigue, there is something going on. I am not saying it is cancer, but I am saying get to your doctor and find some answers because that is not normal. And that is not any way to live. Um, so first thing was extreme fatigue, which is super characteristic of cancer. Um, don't ignore your body, make sure that you are getting rest, that you are listening to your body. Um, not resting and not listening to my body is a big reason why I got in this situation in the first place. So, um, the second things, the second symptom that I was having was severe anxiety. Now this is kind of a twofold thing because for me, I had a lot of fluid in my chest that I did not know about. And I would lay down at night and I felt like I was having a panic attack. I would get really, really anxious. I felt like I couldn't breathe. Ben would try and reason with me and say, Allie, everything's okay. You don't have any reason to panic or freak out. Just relax. He would try to soothe me. And I felt like I physically couldn't breathe, which was the truth. And that was because of the fluid in my chest. And so it was, it was just like a double-edged sword where I had this fluid in my chest that I didn't know about that would keep me from being able to breathe well. And I would feel like I was choking and suffocating, which I was, and then I would panic about it but I assumed that it was just a panic attack. And looking back, I had never had a panic attack before. I definitely struggled with anxiety, but it wasn't that severe where I would have a panic attack. And then all of a sudden I started having these panic attacks. So again, hint, hint, if that is happening to you and it doesn't feel quite right, you've never had these symptoms, there's something going on, uh, get to your doctor, check it out. (laughs) And so 
I ended up having about two liters of fluid in my chest that ultimately caused my right lung to partially collapse, which I'm still dealing with that um, catastrophe. I'm trying to work out and um, basically stretch it back out, get it back to normal. And, um, but, but it nearly permanently damaged my right lung. And so if you're having any kind of trouble breathing, make sure that you get that checked out again, not normal, but I reasoned it away. Um, the next thing that I wanted to share with you was, um, that I would have trouble swallowing. Now, this one is probably the most tempting to laugh at because duh, it's not normal to not be able to swallow, but looking back, I thought that it was just a fluke. I thought this is weird that I keep choking on my food or when I would take pills, I would have to maneuver them down my esophagus. I would open my mouth really wide. I tip my head back. I would just kind of slowly work my esophagus and help these supplements that I was taking go down. Um, I remember one time specifically at a family meal on Sundays, we would always have family dinner on Sunday at my parents' house. And I choked on a chip. And I remember saying to one of my sisters, I won't tell you which one <laughs> that, oh my goodness, I feel like I've been choking a lot lately. I just choked on a chip and it felt like it cut my throat. And she said, oh yeah, that's happened to me before. I'm sure it's nothing. It's, it's no big deal. She basically thought I was being dramatic and I thought I was being dramatic and I thought, okay, well, she thinks I'm being dramatic. I'm probably just being dramatic. I'm, you know, thinking that there's something going on terrible. And of course there's nothing terrible going on. Um, and so I would choke on my food, which is really characteristic of, uh, lymphoma. And, uh, because when you have lymphoma, the lymph nodes that swell are usually in your neck, in your chest. And my lymph nodes were swelling so much in my neck that they were pressing on my esophagus and making it hard to breathe. And ultimately when I was diagnosed, the oncologist that diagnosed me, which I'm going to get into in a little bit said that if I didn't do treatment, I probably would have about three months left because, he, and like disclaimer, if you have little kids around, this might not be the best episode to be listening to with them. So I'm just going to warn you right now. Um, but I will give you a few seconds to get away or pause and listen at another time. Um, but he said, if, if you don't do treatment, you more than likely will pass away from suffocation. And so that wasn't an exaggeration or being dramatic. Um, that was, that was a serious issue happening. So if you're having trouble eating, make sure again, you get in to see your doctor. I feel like I'm going to say that after every symptom that I share with you, because I cannot emphasize it enough. Early diagnosis is key. You do not want to let any major issues, um, major symptoms just kind of put them in the back of your mind. You do not want to do that. Make sure that you get them taken care of. I'm, I'm begging you. It will make whatever is happening so much easier if you catch it early. Um, the next symptom that I was having was 
like I said, I had swollen lymph nodes all over in my neck. Um, but the most obvious to me were under my arm. So there was a day where I was showering and we knew at that point that something had been going on. We weren't quite sure. I think at this point I had gotten in to see the doctor, um, and we were waiting to hear results and, I was showering and shampooing my hair. My arms were up and out of my peripheral vision, I saw a lump under my arm and I looked over and I saw this huge softball sized lump under my arm and it ended up being a lymph node, but under your arms are where some of the most prominent lymph nodes will swell and show you that something is up. Um, my neck and my face were also super swollen and I thought it was due to weight gain because I had gained a lot of weight because of my hormones being off and me not taking care of myself. Um, but once I started doing treatment, my neck and my face stopped the swelling. And I realized that was the majority of it was due to swollen lymph nodes. So check your lymph nodes, check under your arms. If there is anything that is bulging out, that is not normal, go get it checked out by a doctor. Um, by the way, if you are a visual person, I have these symptoms in a collection on my Instagram. So there's a highlight on my Instagram called my symptoms, and you can listen to more details and, and see a visual on them. I have shared a picture in that symptoms highlight of the lymph node that I found under my arm. It's about the size of a softball. Um, but I have shared a picture on my Instagram. If you are curious about that. All right, next thing, and I'm going to kind of breeze through these, but, um, next thing was hair loss. I, um, think I mentioned that I thought these symptoms were all a part of postpartum issues. And so I just blamed my hair loss on postpartum issues. I also reasoned that it was some new hair products that I was trying. Um, I thought that they were causing my hair to fall out and it was also a combination of hormones and postpartum issues. Um, that was not what was happening. <laughs> it was the cancer causing my hair to fall out, which is also char very characteristic. So make sure you're checking that. It's kind of ironic after you get chemo, your hair falls out, but even before you get a diagnosis, you may realize that you have cancer because your hair is falling out, um, or something else. It might not necessarily be cancer. It might be something else going on again, not normal, get it checked out. <laughs> Um, and then like I've hinted at, I had severe weight gain, which I haven't really looked into that too much. And so I don't, I'm not sure where that comes from. I do think it's probably, um, hormones, but I think for the majority, I think I was just not taking care of myself. Um, so I had severe weight gain, but then I had severe weight loss. And so I had around the time that I got diagnosed, I had just started this new fitness program and I, to be honest, I wasn't super faithful with it. I would, I tried eating better and I tried incorporating working out into my routine, but I was just getting started. And after about two or three weeks, I checked the scale and I realized, oh my goodness, I have lost weight. This program must work really well. And so it was just very coincidental that I happened to lose, start losing weight because of cancer around the same time that I started working out and trying to eat right, because I definitely was not eating well enough or working out enough to have lost weight yet. And so, um, 
it, it was, it was very surprising to me and very strange that I had lost weight, but I just blamed it on the fact that I had started this new program and maybe it was as effective as everyone was saying. So, um, severe weight loss, unintentional weight loss, very characteristic of issues going on. The next one, um, and probably the second worst symptom, like most irritating symptom that I had were night sweats. I would wake up at night drenched in sweat and I would wake up two or three times a night, uh, drenched in sweat. Like it would actually wake me up, um, because I was wet and I was cold. And so it wasn't just, you know, like a hot flash or, um, that the AC was broken. It was drenched in sweat. My body was overwhelmed with all of the toxins in my body and trying to get rid of them. And so if you are heavily sweating at night and having to change your clothes a couple times a night, that is, that is not normal. Go to see a doctor. <laughs> um, one of the most peculiar symptoms that I had was itching. And if Ben were here, he's, he's working right now, unfortunately, but if he were here, he would tell you, this is the most annoying symptom that I had. I was so itchy and I have done some research on this and no one can really explain why lymphoma patients get itchy, but Oh my goodness, y'all. I was so itchy. My, my legs, especially, um, my shins were super, super itchy, like to the point where I wanted to stab them with knives or just cut them off because I could not stop itching and it would wake Ben up at night. It was, it was bad. I mean, skin was flying off <laughs> from, from my itching. And like I said, to this day, we cannot we have not been able to figure out people like even specialists aren't really sure why it is caused, but it is terrible and the most irritating. And thank goodness that is not happening anymore. Sometimes when I itch at night, um, I think Ben has a bit of PTSD from this. He's like, Oh no, please stop. Like, please, like I'm not allowed to itch in bed anymore. Basically. If I have an itch on my leg, it is, I need to just figure out how to deal with it silently because Ben starts to twitch a bit. I also had lots of coughing and lots of wheezing, and this might sound really obvious to you as well, but to me, I blamed it on just a chronic cold. I thought, okay, maybe, you know, I just, I have this lingering cold. I, you honestly living, growing up in New York, I would get some kind of sinus infection, cold thing going on from about October all the way until May when it gets to be spring. And so I really, it didn't alarm me too much that I was sick basically all of fall and winter. Um, but when I started looking back, I can, I can see that that was not normal, but it was so gradual, uh, that the cough was, um, continuing and that my wheezing, I would, I would talk and not be able to finish a sentence. Like truly the fact that I, that the Lord has led me and so clearly called me to start a podcast is just such a, such a blessing, such a God wink, because I was not able to even finish sentences before I was diagnosed. And so I'm just, I love that he is calling me to use truly the physical gift of my voice that he has restored in me through healing, because 
I would start to, I, I'll give you an example, as silly as I feel right now doing this. I will give you an example. When I would start talking, I would, I would begin a sentence and then I would kind of just fade off. I would kind of fade off like that and not be able to finish the sentence because I would wheeze. Um, and it's interesting because I was creating my time management course during the most intense, basically right before I was diagnosed, like when my symptoms were super intense, I was creating my time management course, which required me to speak for about three to four hours continuously, maybe even more, maybe like eight hours. I actually, I think it's about eight hours. Um, and I remember getting so frustrated because I wasn't able to finish a sentence because quote unquote, this stupid cough or this stupid illness that I was dealing with. Um, and so it is just such a gift to be able to talk. <laughs> um, what else I'm trying to think of the, the other symptoms that I had. Um, I, Oh, you know what? And this is, this is a great segue. I'm going to let you all look at my Instagram it's public. So even if you don't have Instagram, you can go to Instagram.com slash Allie underscore underscore Christian. Um, this is this last symptom I'm going to mention is a great segue into the story of how I was diagnosed. I started having pain in my body all over, um, which is actually what ultimately led me to the ER. So if I would have an alcoholic beverage of any kind, um, and like truly one, maybe two drinks, I would have severe pain, which is very characteristic of cancers because if the cancer is in your lymph nodes, your lymph nodes hate it. They get angry and it causes a lot of pain. And so when I would drink alcohol, my body would be in so much pain. And it got to the point where I, um, would have, even without alcohol, this is like sans alcohol. Um, my body would just be in pain in general. Um, and it was just the cancer taking over my body. Um, but I, would have so much. I, I, one night I had so much pain and I remember it was on my little sister's birthday. I wasn't able to go to her birthday dinner and it was so depressing because I kept having this pain and it was finally starting to be debilitating. And I had a terrible migraine. My body ached. Um, I was oddly enough, we're not sure about this one either, but I was menstruating about every two weeks, which was really, really strange. Um, and then eventually my period stopped, but whenever I would get my period, I would get a terrible migraine. And I remember on the night of my little sister's birthday, I actually had this like flash in my eyes that felt like I was going blind. I couldn't open my eyes and I just had to lay in bed that night. Basically I couldn't do anything. Um, it was terrible. It was miserable, but the pain was taking over my body through the lymph nodes. Um, and so that's when I actually went to the doctor. Um, well, I went to the ER because I was having, pain and painkillers were not taking it away. And so I had the pain one night, tried painkillers. It wasn't helping. Um, but I, I got some sleep that night. The next day, obviously woke up super tired. I was already tired, but that night I didn't really sleep because of the pain. Um, and I continued to have the pain throughout the day. And I always 
feel dramatic. Like it's hard for me to make the call and say, yes, I need to go to the ER or um, yes, I need to see a doctor or even yes, I need to take a painkiller. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but I, I feel as if I'm being dramatic. And so I tried to push it out thinking this pain's going to go away. This is ridiculous. It's just some, it's just some flank pain, you know, a painkiller surely should take care of it. Maybe I'm not taking the right painkiller. Maybe I'm not taking enough of it. And so I, the second night I, um, took more painkillers and, um, Ben went to bed and I tried to stay up and just work out this pain. I also, because I had started working out, I thought I had pulled a muscle. And so I felt very dramatic, even considering going to the ER. Um, but around midnight, it got really intense and it was just so frustrating. And, Again, cancer was not on my radar, but I was getting worried about what it might be. And so I called my best friend, Ashley, shout out to Ashley for being amazing, called Ashley. She came over, (laughs) slept in Ben and I's bed while the girls continued to sleep. And Ben and I went to the ER at about midnight. And ultimately what they ended up doing there was doing a scan and they told me that my, a bunch of my lymph nodes are lighting up. They weren't too alarmed by it, but that I should get in to see my general practitioner. And at the time I had not seen a general practitioner since I was about 18. I had been seeing OBGYNs for any kind of checkup or any medical care, but I felt, you know what, I'm a young quote unquote, healthy adult. I don't need to see a general practitioner. It's not like I'm going to be doing anything crazy at this age. Nothing crazy is going to happen to me at this age. And so I just kind of brushed them off because they didn't make it seem urgent. And, um, and then I waited a couple of months until these symptoms continued and I just could not deal with them anymore with the, I really actually, I ended up going to my best friend, Ashley's nurse nurse practitioner. And I ended up going there because I was just having a lot of anxiety and I wanted her to actually refer me to um, a mental health specialist. But I will never forget when I eventually got to go into her office. Um, It took a while for me to be able to get in. Um, But when I got in and I shared with her all of the symptoms that I was having and answered her questions, she was just doing a general run through of my health um, and my background. Um, I will never forget the look on her face when, when I finished sharing my symptoms with her. She was someone that Uh, honestly is very pretty much emotionless. Um, or maybe I should say expressionless. She doesn't really wear her emotions on her sleeve and it's hard to tell what she's thinking about you. Um, she's sweet, but it's hard to tell what she's thinking about you. And I will never forget seeing the alarm on her face. It was like a low key freak out. You know what I'm talking about? Like her face kind of tensed up her eyes. She, she tried to stay calm, but she was alarmed for sure. And so long story short, by the end of the appointment, she said, I'm, I'm going to refer you to a blood specialist to see what is going on. And so I thought, okay, a blood specialist, no big deal. I'm excited because hopefully we're going to get to the bottom of this. And I go home and it was either that night that I had the appointment or the next morning, the blood specialist called 
and they called and I'll never forget. They said, hi, this is the CR Wood Cancer Center. We're looking for Allie Christian. And I said, cancer center. Uh, I've been waiting for the blood specialist to call me, not the cancer center. And I thought it was a mistake. I thought my information had been passed off to the wrong department. And the woman, this, the um, admin calling kind of laughed and said, oh yeah, yeah. The, the blood specialist, we're the blood specialist. And my heart immediately sank. I mean, there, there is no way to describe the fear and the confusion and the speed at which my mind was racing at when she said that. And so I, at that point, just had to go through the motions, give her my information, set up an appointment. Um, and she told me that the oncologist had looked at my case, the um, lymphoma oncologist had looked at my case and he wanted to see me the next day. And so I had gone from having these symptoms over the course of a year to going to the ER, them not really telling me much or alarming me at all, or, you know, giving me any sense of urgency. Um, and then after the ER, I waited about two months after two months, I got sick of the symptoms. I went to see a nurse practitioner. The nurse practitioner referred me to the cancer center the same day. And within two days I was in the oncologist's office. All right, friends, we are going to stop there. That was the physical part, some of the physical part of the beginning of my diagnosis. I pray that this is a resource for you. If you have more specific questions, please feel free to send me an email. I will try to answer your questions in the next couple of episodes. Um, the next episode will include where I was at emotionally with all of this. So my prayer in sharing this physical part is that you would hear me say that the Lord was faithful every step. Um, and if you, like I keep saying, I, I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to say it for the last time, um, but I'm going to repeat myself. If you are feeling like something is wrong or something is off, go get it checked out. Do not wait until it is stage four, whatever, whether it's cancer, endometriosis, whatever it is. If something feels off, seek answers. Continue to ask and look for answers. Okay, we are done for today. I hope this was helpful, friends. I love you and I will talk to you soon.